Hello everyone and welcome to Celtic Preacher. Is it difficult for you to be true to what you believe is the right way to live? Do you find it do you find that people oppose you sometimes or maybe not oppose, maybe it doesn't have to be that harsh. Do you find people just disagreeing with you or simply not understanding you? Do you find you're at odds with people sometimes or odds with the world at large? Well, if you do, Jesus would say, absolutely to be expected when you're following me. He would say, it's not easy to follow my path because, of course, his path is the path of truth. We're being true to ourselves. We're being true to what we believe is right. And sometimes when you look at the scripture and you look at Jesus' teaching, you, you find out that Jesus actually made it quite difficult for people to choose to follow. And that's found in, particularly found in, the, in this passage that we're looking at today in Luke 14. In fact, I'm going to read you a little bit of this because this is one of these texts that uh, you would possibly skip over if you read it by yourself because at first, first reading, it doesn't make a whole lot of sense. He said, Luke 14, Now large crowds were traveling with him. So this is Jesus. He's traveling and he's becoming popular. Large crowds were traveling with him and he turned and he said to them, so he's turning and he's speaking to the would-be followers. And he says, whoever comes to me and does not hate his father and mother, wife and children, brothers and sisters, yes, even life itself, you cannot be my student, you can't follow and you can't be my disciple. It's like, how is he possibly going to attract people to this new way of living when he speaks this way. And then he goes on to say, count the costs before you come. He goes on to say, for which of you intending to build a tower doesn't sit down, estimate the cost, and see whether he has enough, whether he has enough to complete the task? Otherwise, you lay the foundation and you're not able to finish it. And then everyone ridicules you. Count the cost before you come. You know, <laughs> imagine, if you're, imagine if you're trying to start a, 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 a little spiritual group, a little church, or just a group of people that are seeking more, and you gather, you're, a little, you're a little church planter, or you're a spiritual group leader, and you want to start a community, you want, you want to surround yourself with like-minded people that want more from life, right? I mean, uh, making money and uh, the usual life of hedonism, it's not working for you anymore. It's, it's not doing, you need more than that. So you gather around this group of people and you're all, you've all decided, let's learn, let's learn about this Jesus, let's learn how to follow his ways. Okay, imagine you've got your little group together and the first lesson is, okay, you can't be a student. You can't be a student. You can't follow. You can't be a part of this community unless 
You hate your father and mother, your wife, your kids, your sister, and even your life itself. Now, of course, obviously it's going to be off-putting. Now, let me, let me mention that the rabbis, 2,000 years ago, the rabbis did use exaggerated language to get people's attention. Okay, so this business about hating family or uh, hating uh, your life that's all exaggerated uh, language that was a common way of teaching 2,000 years ago. I mean, it's supposed to set up attention. It's like, what? What did you say? So even though it's exaggerated, nonetheless, even with all this hyperbole, the rabbi is still making a serious point. I mean, he, it's, it, he's clearly teaching, if you're interested in being a part of this community... If you want to be a part of, if you want to be my students, if you want to follow, you'll need to understand that the family, your beloved, your loved ones, your children, your life has to come second. So if you're going to start considering your children's needs and your children's wants and your children's desires before following, this is not the community for you. That's basically what Jesus is saying. He's basically saying the standard is devotion to God first. And if you can't do that, or if you're not ready for it, you might as well leave now and save yourself the trouble. Save yourself the trouble, count the cost, get out now before you start. Now, let me just add here, <laughs> it gets worse, this text. It's not just the family or the loved ones. I mean, and I mean family and your loved ones. I'm meaning it in the broadest sense of the people closest in, in your life, your dearest ones. It's not just that that comes second. He goes on to say in verse 26, even your own life itself, all your personal plans. You have any plans for the future? Do you? Okay, put them to the side. Your hopes, your dreams, you have any hopes, dreams? Okay, to the side. Your personal plans cannot be your top priority. Now, 2,000 years ago, the first listeners, by now, the crowds have got to be thinning, don't you think? I mean, there's got to be people that are saying, this is crazy, I, I can't do this. In fact, in the New Testament, there are, uh, there are passages that say that people did listen to him, and after listening, they, they went away. They just left. Remember, the, for example, the rich young ruler? He's an example of that. So... When you listen to Jesus' teaching with fresh, <laughs> new ears, it's like, it sounds ridiculous. It's too much. It's way too hard, which makes you wonder, have we watered down the message so much 2,000 years later that we can't even recognize this is Jesus' teaching? I mean, imagine telling this to your average potential new church member, <laughs> right? There's no way, no way anybody's going to join your little church, right? Okay, it gets worse. There's more to this. Jesus continues, before you start to think about falling, count the cost. 
Count the cost to see if you really, really want this because I'm telling you now, it's going to cost you something. He gives two examples of everyday life 2,000 years ago. He gives the example of building the tower. If we were to use contemporary language, we'd say, if you're building your own house or if you're doing a, res a, re a renovation, if you were doing any major work on your house, wouldn't you plan it out first of all? Complete your due diligence first? Of course you would. Then do the same with following Christ. You wouldn't start your building project or your renovation unless you considered if you could afford it. Have you considered if you can afford this? Because it's the same with following Christ. Everything has to be of second consideration. Your life, your loved ones, your hopes, your dreams, your desires, your future, your future goals. It's all have to, has to be second because here's the cost. The cost is I lead and you follow. So think about it before you say yes because that's the cost. I lead, you follow. And then he continues in this passage to touch upon areas, sensitive areas of people's lives that they generally don't want any interference with. Because this is the way Jesus works. He's always interfering with areas that we don't want to be interfered with, right? So first of all, he speaks about family loyalty. He targets that. Okay, that's second. Then he targets our personal lives and how we choose to live and, and build our lives. And he said, yeah, you can nix that too because that's going to be second. And then finally, he targets possessions. Always an area that people don't want to hear. Don't tell me how to live. It's my money. It's my life, right? So, of course, he targets that. Verse 33. So, therefore, none of you can become my students if you don't give up all your possessions. Now, again, given the ancient teaching style of this exaggerated language, taking that into consideration, the hyperbole, taking that into consideration, however you slice it, it means a lot more than giving 50 bucks to some charity or putting it in the offering plate, right? He's saying something about possessions here. And basically what he's saying is, I want to influence that area too. I want, I want influence in that area. I want to lead that area. I want to lead every single area. If you decide to come, I want to lead. I want to influence all of these areas. If this is going to work, I have to be able to influence all of these areas. Otherwise, you're wasting your time. Don't bother following. Come back when you're ready to follow. Now, I'm kind of saying that in a very blunt way. Uh, and I don't think that it's anything about God not... For example, the people who decided to leave, it's not that Jesus didn't care about them. But he did let people walk away. And the reason that he let people walk away was because the people just were not ready. They weren't at a point in their life where they were open to this kind of teaching. There are times and there are seasons to being open to this radical new way of being and living in the world. 
Um, if you're perfectly happy with your life, if everything is going exactly the way you want, if you believe that you have abundant life, you're living in the fullness of life, you, I doubt it very much you're going to do any changes. You would, you'll not be open. What's the point? But if you think that there's more and you suspect that there's more, then you're going to be a little bit more open to this new way of living that Jesus is offering. But 2,000 years ago and up to the present day, uh, there's always a choice and Jesus is always willing to wait until we're ready. So why does he make it so hard? Why does he make it so difficult? Why is he, it's so off-putting, it's offensive, it's undesirable. I mean, how many actually stayed and followed? This way or this path seems so narrow. Not many are going to decide to go this way because the cost seems too high. It seems too high. So I've been pondering about this and thinking about this this week and I wonder if I wonder if Jesus is simply describing the reality of life. I'm wondering if this is a little bit of a descriptive passage rather than a prescriptive passage. And I'll explain what I mean by that because I'm wondering that if we truly desire change in our life, if we truly desire God to make a difference, then God expects, not just expects, demands, if we use the, if we use the language of the New Testament, God demands sacrifice, undivided loyalty, and our commitment in terms of time, attention, and money. Now, here's the strange thing about sacrifice, undivided loyalty, and commitment of time, attention, and money. Untold numbers of people are already familiar with sacrifice. They're already familiar with loyalty and commitment of time and attention and money. People spend Hours and hours and hours in traffic, commuting to jobs that demand everything from them. Especially here in uh, California. I don't know so much about other parts of the country. I would suspect any major metropolitan area is similar. You spend an awful lot of time commuting to jobs that demand a lot from you. And why do you do that? You do that to provide for your family, right? You do it to provide for your family. People spend hours, parents spend hours and hours making sure their children get every possible opportunity, every possible sports opportunity, taking them to practice, supporting their games, going to their matches, spending days and days and days, weekends, evenings. Why? You... Because if I'm a parent, I want my kid to get every single opportunity for success. Academic success is another priority 
for many parents and for many, many students. So in this part of the world, we know about commitment. We know about commitment. We know about sacrifice. 10 hours a week is nothing if you love your sport or you're studying for a class or you're practicing an instrument. It's nothing. It's nothing. I'm suggesting that we already sacrifice. I'm suggesting that we already devote time and we already financially support the people we love and the things that we believe in. I'm suggesting that we're sort of geared to live this way, right? We're sort of, we're sort of created to live with the purpose of investing in something. It might be children, it might be grandchildren, it might be a career, it might be artistic expression. But we are, it seems as though we are created to invest. It's like, yeah, this is important. This is worthwhile to me. I really want to give myself in this way. Right? We give ourselves to what we believe is going to be life-giving. Given that that's the way that we're put together, I think what Jesus is saying here is, okay, I see how you're living. Now, if you want to be my student, I'm not going to settle for a piece of your schedule. I see how you're living. I am not going to settle for a piece of your schedule. I don't get slotted in here. I, because I want to influence it all. I want to influence it all, God's saying. I want to guide it all. Yeah. Now look, that example, for example, uh, the example you gave on hating the family. It's like God is saying, I want to influence the way you live with the people closest to you. Now we all know that just because we are related to someone doesn't automatically make the relationship life-giving, right? In fact, there might be a lot of stress in the family or the extended family. There might be a lot of disappointment. There might be a lot of endless worry, right? It's not easy to stop and allow God to influence a decision or a direction you make in a home setting because much of the time we get set in a pattern and that's the default and it never changes, right? So if you're in a power struggle in the home situation, chances are you've been in a power struggle a long, long, long time, right? It takes a lot of inner strength and maturity to recognize that and to change that pattern, right? That's a high cost. It's a high cost to step away from that and change direction. It's a high cost. Why? Because the ego needs to be put to the side. Now, I'm using the word ego here. I know it's a, a word that isn't too helpful today because it's used in too many different ways. I'm using the word ego here in terms of the, to describe the unhelpful patterns we automatically default to during stress. That ego needs to get put to the side if we're going to follow. 
So for example, when I get stressed, if I get, if I'm stressed and then I, my default is I automatically get impatient and I automatically get critical, that's going to be the area that will be targeted by God because that's the area that needs to change or be healed. That's the area we need saved from, right? People talk about getting saved. What are we getting saved from? Ourselves most of the time, right? Um, ego, ego cost. Sigh. Some of us shut down when we're in trouble. Some of us just disappear. Some get loud and in your face. No, Jesus is saying, if you want to follow, you're going to have to let God lead you into a new way of being. That's really what it means to follow Christ. We're being led into a new way of being. We're being led into a new way of living. Now, of course it's difficult. Anybody who's ever gone to any kind of counseling and tried to change a behavior knows how excruciatingly difficult this can be. And I think maybe that's one of the reasons why Jesus makes it so hard at the front end of this teaching, because he's saying, look, if you're not ready, and if you're not committed, and if you don't have a heart for it, don't waste your time. Don't waste your time. But it's not going to work. It just won't work. Right? I mean, it's like trying to break an addiction, and you're like, no, I don't really know if I want to stop. I might be an alcoholic, but I don't know if I really want to stop drinking. Well, you're not going to stop. How would you stop? I mean, your will has to be in place for something like that. Well, it's the same as this. Because we're addicted to our own way of doing things. So Jesus knew that following cost everything so he didn't sugarcoat it. Right? He would let people choose. And if they weren't ready, then, like the rich young ruler, okay, then you need to leave. And again, it doesn't mean that he didn't care. It didn't mean that he didn't love him less. It was more, well, this is the way it is, and, and when you're ready, come and follow. Yeah, verse 26, father, mother, anybody you love, your very life itself, I want to influence it all. I want to guide you. So stop and pause and wait and consider God before you act. Consider God's ways before you respond. Consider God's ways before you do what you usually do. Right? Because maybe, maybe, maybe you're going in the wrong direction. Maybe you're going in the wrong direction. Verse 33, your possessions. Again, he says, I want, to, I want influence on these possessions. And again, that's something that's not easy for us to grasp because we have such a strong sense in the West of ownership and what is mine, and I worked for this, and I saved for this, and this belongs to me, and Jesus comes along and says, no, it doesn't belong to you. All you're doing, all you're doing is taking care of a few things for a short time that God has given you on loan. That's it. Your task is to be faithful because you're the caretaker of God's things. It's like, oh, I never thought about it that way before. Well, he's saying, well, think about it. Think about it. 
And of course, the challenge for us as individuals is, is that, well, okay, well, what is faithful? What does faithful living look like? What does that look like? Jesus would say, well, whatever you have. Do you allow God to inform you on how to live? Because again, he's stressing, I want to influence that area. I want to influence that area. I want, I, want, I want to influence your money and your possessions and how you think about money. Because if you're thinking you get your worth from money, you're thinking wrongly. That's not where you get your worth. So if you're falling into that trap, I want to influence that area. In fact, with Jesus, there's no area that's out of bounds. He just happens to mention relationships, our life choices, and our money in this passage because they're kind of three big areas that people struggle with. But really, there's, abs- there's no area that's out of bounds that God wouldn't interfere with. Any area that we place as out of bounds is an area that needs help and healing. Because really... Jesus is saying, I want access to everything. I want access to all. I want to influence it all. Every single area. So it's almost like, you know, when, you're at, when you have these passages before you, it's almost like you have to think, okay, well, what has been on my mind this past week? You know? What has come up for, what am I, what am I pondering? What am I, I'm lying in bed at night, what am I thinking about? What am I working on? What am I trying to fix? What am I worried about? What am I worried about? Or what am I challenged with? Well, the passage is saying, the promise is, God can influence the way we think about that area of our lives, whatever it is. God can guide Take your hands off it so God can guide. God can guide. God desires to direct. God desires to correct. And God desires to turn us around and put us in the right direction so we can truly follow. So we can truly follow. I think it seems to me that Jesus is reminding us of the cost so that when we struggle, right, when we waver or when we chafe, under the right thing to do. It's like, yeah, he's saying, I know the cost is high. I know this is hard for you. I know it is hard for you. I know it's not easy to put your ego to the side. I know that it's not easy to go against what you normally do. But let me tell you, it is worth it in the long run. I'm, I'm leading you to freedom. It's going to be worth it in the long run there's the prayer there's the heart cry God help me help me to just trust help me to trust and when I start to struggle and when I start to waver when I when I start to chafe under what the right thing to do is help me to go in your direction and keep on following no matter what the cost Thank you for joining me. You've been listening to Celtic Preacher. Join with me again next week for another episode.